Hey LifeBridge, good to see you guys. We are having our last service out in the park this Sunday. And so what we've been doing is we've been doing a little bit more of a discussion format and a little bit more um, interactive services while we're outside. And this is the last week of that. But um, if, if you're not um, gonna be with us outside, we're recording these videos so that you can reflect on the same questions and go through those. Those are easy to find through the homepage of our website. So you can see the questions that we're going through together in the park. And I'm gonna take you through um, kind of an abbreviated version of a message today. We've been talking about the fully formed life. That's the, the campaign we're in right now. That's our, our overarching topic is the fully formed life and looking at what it means to be spiritually formed into, um, into Christ followers who are more like Jesus. And what we've been talking about for the last few weeks since we've gone outside is um, the passage from Mark chapter 12, the end of Mark chapter 12, uh, verses 28 through 31. And um, Jesus is answering the, answering the question about the greatest commandment. And so this, this commandment, which um, the, the, the followers of, of Judaism, even prior to Jesus, and Jesus grew up being raised that same way, they, um, they call it the Shema. And Jesus is asked about it. I'm going to read um, the same passage that we've been reading every week. So Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. One of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, him being Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus takes the Shema and he kind of expounds on it a little bit, going into the second commandment, which is loving your neighbor as yourself. And we will, we will continue to talk about this in coming weeks, um, but really the two are so intertwined, what it means to love God and what it means to love our neighbor, what it means to love others. And, um, and we've talked the last few weeks, as we go through that, um, what, to love the Lord, with all, the, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Those are the last three topics that we talked about in the last three weeks. And today we're talking about what it means to love the Lord, your God, with all your strength. There's a great Bible project video, which we'll have linked um, in the notes. And then it's also, um, it's going to be a part of Monday's devotional, tomorrow's devotional, if you're watching this on Sunday, to watch a Bible project video that breaks down what, what that means. And, and the, the original word, um, the Hebrew word that was, that was used and got translated as strength was me'od. Mayot is basically, um, when it got translated to Greek and then into English from there, mind and strength are basically split out from that word mayod. And basically what mayod means is it's, it's about abundance. It's about um, capacity and how much can we, can we love God. So, so really it's not about physical strength. It's about, it's about our capacity to love God. So uh, in the Bible Project video, if you watch that, um, the way that uh, Dr. Tim Mackey talks about it, he calls it loving God with all your muchness. Um, but he's kind of weird. And I, I'm, I, <laughs> the way that I think about it is, is about loving God above and beyond, Go, going above and beyond in our love for God. Not, not simply um, asking, what, what do I have to do? But rather, how can I every day continue to pursue deeper and greater love for God? So going above and beyond in our love for God. And again, part of that is, is about going above and beyond in our love for our neighbor. That's, we'll continue to talk about our neighbor in coming weeks. But a big part of what it means to love God 
is, is to love others. They're so intertwined, those two things. Worshiping God is loving God. Loving our neighbor is part of our act of worship of God. And this, this idea of, of loving God, for some of us, that might, be, that might be a little bit outside of our understanding or outside of our experience. Um, a lot of people have grown up in church that's really more tied to a cultural experience. It's tied to tradition or obligation or family. It's not really about a love that you've experienced for yourself. But I want, I want to just encourage you guys that God, this love that we're being called to, loving God above and beyond, God has already loved us so far beyond what we, what any capacity that we'll ever have to love him back. The Bible talks about how God has loved us with an everlasting love. And uh, there, there's, I mean, scripture is littered with examples that are just talking about the vastness of God's love for us. If you've never experienced in your own heart an experience with God where, where you can actually feel that love, you can feel the presence of God and, um, and just and have this sense of, of God's love in, in a way that you can't fully fathom or fully explain, but you know that it's there. Um, I would encourage you to seek God's heart because I believe you'll be changed forever. Your life and your heart will be transformed by that love. That we will love God above and beyond because he first loved us. I'm just going to talk for a few more minutes. I'm going to talk about three ways, three ways that we're called to go above and beyond in our love for God. And this is what we'll be discussing in the park. And I want you to, I want you to uh, contemplate these. If you're watching from home, contemplate these things as well. So we're called to go above and beyond. We talk about all our strength. It's about going above and beyond in our love for God. And the first one I want to talk about is going beyond our comfort. Loving God beyond what we're comfortable with sometimes. Our comfort zones are, it's like a self-imposed limit on our capacity. We could do more but we're not comfortable doing more. We could do more, but we really don't want to do more. But we're called to love God beyond what we're comfortable with. You know, sometimes we're even good, we're good at convincing ourselves that God's will and our comforts are perfectly aligned. So if something doesn't feel right to us, it must not be God's will. And I think sometimes we trust our gut a little bit too much because our gut is telling us what we want to hear, not necessarily what... Um, what God has for us, what God's will for us is. In a lot of ways, our, our comfort zones are really bad for us. They certainly aren't as good for us as we think they are. They don't keep us as safe as we think they do. They do not make us as happy as, as we think they do. And we need to have moments where we step out of what we're comfortable with. Scripture is littered with examples, again, of, of Jesus calling the disciples, for instance, to go way past what they're comfortable with. When, um, when the crowd that's following Jesus gets a little bigger, and, and I think he, um, the, it, it seems like what Jesus is trying to do is, is thin out a crowd that's starting to lose understanding of his, what he's really about. He makes them uncomfortable, and then he continues in investing in the ones who are willing to stick it out through that. So we're supposed to go beyond our comfort zones in our love for God. And if we can't do that, if we're unwilling to do that, then comfort is an idol. Comfort is, in a sense, what we're worshiping. Next, we're supposed to go beyond self-sufficiency. So when we talk about our capacity 
in our culture, in our context, we think of what, what, what I'm capable of, for instance, I tend to think of with nobody else's help. I think of what I'm capable of as what I can do with nobody else's help. Because we don't like to ask for help. And we actually kind of think it's, it's wrong and dirty to need help sometimes. Um, that, again, is just a, it's a, it's a very unbiblical idea, but it's kind of drilled into our brains sometimes. In fact, I think sometimes we think if we don't need help, if we're, if we're, if we're one of those people, we maybe take a lot of pride in being self-sufficient, being independent. We actually think we're being responsible, and in a lot of cases, what we're actually being is sinful. Sometimes we, we refuse to ask for help, and that's prideful. But in a lot of cases, I think what actually happens is we don't need help. We actually can do it on our own, in a sense. And the reason is because we're being selfish. So, you know, for some of us, it's a nightmare scenario would be to look at, at to, to be the person that is like desperate for help. Nobody wants to be that person who's like, I've got to ask for a handout or I've got to, um, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm coming off as really needy right now. People, that's, for some people, they're like, under no circumstances will that ever be me, right? If, if that's you, you're going to end up being selfish. You're going to end up saying, I'm not willing to go there, even if maybe God's calling me there, I'm not willing to go there because I'm not 100% sure I can do it in my own power. And if I'm not 100% sure I can do it in my own power, then I'm going to risk needing someone else's help. We can ignore God's prompting, ignore God's calling. We say things like, I need to have boundaries. I need to think about my needs too. It's not that those things are never true, but let's be honest, they're very easy to take advantage of, and we do. Those things are, it's not good balance, it's not good self-care, it's not healthy for you to never need anybody, to, to be fully relying on yourself. And beyond that, to not be relying on God. If we're never having moments where we're saying, God, I am out of ideas, I'm out of answers, I'm out of options, I just need you, and we don't have that desperate need for God, we're, we're literally sinning, we're living a sinful life. We're living a life that takes God, God's provision, out of the equation. And sometimes there will even be discussions in, in a church setting, maybe in a small group or something like that, where the, the question that's posed is, is for people in, you know, in our context, in, in the United States, people um, with, with some wealth, people with a 401k, etc. The question is, how do we rely on God when we have so much? How do I rely on God when I have so much? In my context, how do I rely on God? The wrong answer, I think, is some version of like talking about balance and boundaries um, and using those terms to explain away staying where you are. The right answer, I believe, is if your context doesn't rely you to or if your context doesn't require you to rely on God, you need to change your context because you're supposed to need God. It's not supposed to be for somebody else. So that might mean, that might mean a big change. It might mean a, a couple small changes, but we're supposed to need God. And if you look at your life and you say, I, I don't need others and I don't need God, 
It's not because you're doing everything right. It's because you're doing it wrong. So we're supposed to love God beyond what we can do in and of ourselves. We should all have moments, I believe this, if we are inside God's will, if we are, if we are listening to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, if we are following what God is having us to do, we should all have moments where we're like, God, I have nothing right now. All I have is, is the promise of your faithfulness. I have no answers. I have no resources. The, this, this place that you've brought me to, I have nothing but to trust in you. And if you never find yourself there, I think that's a big problem. The same for other people. We're supposed to need each other. And we do this thing, we do this thing in church where we want others to need us, but we don't want to need them. And it's kind of unfair, to be honest with you. It's kind of unfair that we do that. Because it's a way, we're trying to elevate ourselves and trying to say like, no, no, I'll help you. Um, as long as it doesn't put me in a spot where I'll need help, right? I'm not saying you need to go like, you know, cash out your 401k and give it all away. And then, you know, and in a few years, you'll have to go live in the basement of someone who didn't do that or something like that. But if, if, your, if your take on your life right now is I'm self-sufficient, it, that's a big problem. So we have, we're called to love God beyond our comfort, beyond our self-sufficiency. And the last one is beyond our fear and anxiety. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think my generation if we, that has grown up in church, we grew up in a, in, um, in a context in a lot of situations where mental health wasn't really part of the equation. It was just kind of like you prayed, right? Um, you know, it, for a long time, I think probably things like antidepressants, some of those things, there's probably an, uh, there, uh, there was a stigma about those things that wasn't good, it wasn't healthy. Um, I think my generation is going to, is already... Um, shifting that pendulum, that pendulum so far in the other direction, where the idea that we could have peace which transcends understanding is just like, no, 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 no. I need, I need, I, I believe in the science. I believe, you know, in in the medication. I'm going to do those things. Um, I do think there's a place for those things. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to uh, minimize that, but there's also a place to cast our cares upon the Lord. There's also a place to say, I don't want to be anxious. I need to take this to God. I don't want to stay here. There's also a place for a peace from God, from the Holy Spirit, that transcends our understanding. Trusting in God. Anxiety isn't something to ignore, to deny that it's real, to say, you know, that's, that's all made up. You need to snap out of it. It's, not, it's also not a guiding principle for our lives to just stay anxious, to stay fearful and say, these, when I feel this way, I'm going to respond to those things and live my life according to those parameters, according to those capacities versus according to um, the command to love God with my full capacity. Do not be anxious about anything. If you struggle with fear, if you struggle with anxiety, I'm not trying to say that those things are just going to go away if you pray. They might. 
I believe they could, but I also believe in, in, in many cases they don't. But I would still challenge you and say, if right now your answer to some, a challenge is something along the lines of, I need to think about my mental health, or I need to think about my own self-care or my own needs, and so I can't do that thing. That might be the right answer right now, but do you want that same answer to be your answer in five years or in 10 years? Or do you want to grow your capacity? Do you want to grow your capacity to love God, to love your neighbor, to respond to God's will, to the Holy Spirit's prompting in your life? This command to love God with all of our capacity, with, to go and be above and beyond, and to, to love God as much as we can, we put constraints on that. Our comfort is a constraint that we put on that. Our desire to be self-sufficient is a constraint that we put on that. Our fears and our anxieties are a constraint that we put on that. When we do those things, we are limiting our capacity. And when we limit our capacity to love God, we're breaking that commandment. Now, I believe that the blood, I 100% believe that the blood of Jesus covers our sins and there is grace where we are insufficient, that God is sufficient. But we are called to continue to, to pursue greater love for God. So the question I want you guys asking yourselves, and we'll have some more specific questions that we ask today, but how do I grow my capacity to love God? How do I, how do I grow my, my capacity to love God and love, my neighbor, and love my neighbor? How do I stretch the bounds of my comfort zone or, or, just, or just get outside them completely? How do, I, how do I love God in a way that doesn't just rely on my own abilities, but also also relies on God, God's provision, and the community of people around me who actually want to help me. They're just waiting for me to ask for help. And then how do I love God beyond my fears and my anxieties? There's questions that we're going to go through, um, and I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for loving us. God, that our love for you is supposed to be a response to the love that you have for us. We thank you that you love us. God, I pray that you would guide us and direct us in how we can further grow our capacity to love you and to not be satisfied with anything less than that. In Jesus' name, amen.